0: good to teach again. I didn't get to teach during Lent with a great uh, rhoda. And um, taking these next three weeks uh, looking at Romans, um, which I was just flattered, as Alan said. I think that's your favorite. And I was like, I'm flattered you noticed them. I do. I like to say this. I'm I'm in and out of Romans all the time. Uh, Formally, if I'm going more than two or three years without doing it formally, like, you know, being able to work in it on a monday so i can do something with it on the following sunday it's been too long for me it is it's just where my sort of heart is best interpreted is through these words these 16 chapters or so um and you know it's just not hard for me to always try to come up with quote-unquote something new i mean romans just always speaks a new word to me even if it's just the old old word um, it still turns things over. Whether or not I'll actually have anything worth hearing, well, that's a different story. But can pray that as Romans' power is uh, is so obvious in so many ways that uh, that it's not going to be my doing to do anything like that. The the, the dynamis of God, the power of God unto salvation, is the the theme of Romans even announces in chapter one uh, that. The Lord should will it. Um, maybe it'll be helpful for one of y'all, too. So with this, um, not a systematic look, not even going through um, uh, uh, chapters. This is going to be more sort of a thematic, working in some ways backwards through Romans. That's kind of the hook that I thought we'd do this. And, you know, Osvaldo Padilla just walked in. New Testament scholar at Beeson Divinity School. Is that a little bit intimidating? <laughs> so it might be. So. Um, good to see you, Osvaldo. Sorry. Um, I bet you hear that a lot. So. Um, going backwards through Romans, um, not starting in one, probably not even going to get there. Today would be a good bit in from, from 13 and a verse from 14, looking at a passage in chapter 10 and then possibly in chapter 5. And so almost starting... At the end and then going backwards Um, probably this uh, these three weeks will assume some knowledge of Romans but not not much I mean really more of the gospel what do we mean by the gospel God's demonstration of love for us while we are yet sinning yet sinners while we are powerless weak and his enemies those are the four categories in Romans 5 that he describes in the, uh, in the announcement of, but, but as he says in three, um, but now a righteousness from God has been revealed. Um, what do the bones on that righteousness look like? This, this, uh, this word which brings us into a place of peace with him, uh, it comes very unusually um, while we don't have it all together. Now, that's an old word around here, I hope, but I hope it's a new word for where you are right now at ten twenty-three on April tenth. Um so that's kind of where we're headed. But let's start with this. Um thinking about this, belovedness working itself out through love. Although that's um my uh I'm borrowing from Paul um in Galatians, where he says in Galatians five that faith expresses itself through love, as the NIV says, or faith um what does the ESV say? Faith, uh, uh, I think, works itself out in love. Um, faith being belovedness. That's going to be one of the taglines that I'm working to. But let's don't start there. Let's start with pop music. Um, let's, uh, <laughs> h- how many? This will not be hard. And I do hope some actual interaction. This isn't intended to be a rhetorical question. Name some songs uh, that talk about love. Ha! Ah, that shouldn't be hard. What are some titles? Some, some songs go love yourself go love yourself the oh the new Bieber song. <laughs> <laughs> song i was like way to start on one i even mean, know it but i do know that one so yeah Bieber, you know infatuated with love um go love yourself what else yep there you go what is love so it's a good question in philosophical what is love parentheses <laughs> please don't hurt me so. um you know putting it out there the vulnerability that's there love what's love got to do with it so um what else All you need is love, Um, the power of love. We're addicted to love. Love is in a shack, and we all want to go visit it in our big car. You know, the 80s, love this, people. Come on, we grew up together. Um, uh, What else? Um, The Beatles, I mean, my goodness. You know, Love Me Do. Um, uh, Oh, what's the big one that they had? Um, All You Need Is Love. love. Um, uh, Foreigner, I want to know what love is. I mean, these are, you know... It's fun, but why is the human heart expressing itself? I mean, you're hard-pressed to find a song on Top 40 that doesn't connect some way or another to love. Now, some of them do a better job than others. Um, Some of them uh, may actually have something to say. A legitimate question, I want to know what love is. I mean, that's a legitimate question over which a lot of ink and people have died. A lot of ink has been spilled and people have died. But why does it so naturally flow forth. What's the Bieber song now? What's that one? Go love yourself. Go love yourself. Why even all that? Why it just kind of comes out in everyday parlance. What's well, a good question. I want to use that as the hook to kind of bring into that. Um, what uh, is it about love, love that we can't buy, can't buy me love, um, where it's all we need? Uh, we sort of seem to know this naturally, human heart left to itself, although it may be deceitful above all things. That comes from Jeremiah. It also knows that what it needs is love so here's my word to you in some ways it's very simple we need more love in this world Um, all we need is a little bit of love from our friends Um, that wasn't quite there but you know Um, so that's it people go out into the world in love that's it I'll see you next week (laughs) (laughs) would that it be true right Um, all we need is love that seems obvious What's not quite so obvious is where is it? How do we get it? How does it come? The Beatles knew it. They had the question, all you need is love. Let's say they were right, just for a moment. Uh, that's the thing. That's the it. That's the desire of the human heart. That's the defining mark of a human being. That's what animates, you know, here's Frozen. That's what animates the stony heart. That's what, no, it's, uh, what thaws the, the I'm mixed. Frozen with Jeremiah. <laughs> um, what uh, what thaws the frozen heart, what animates the stony heart and replaces it with a heart of flesh, um, all you need is love, well, so there it is, and the Bible certainly has a lot to say about it In romans thirteen ten, um, which goes out this way, you can turn to it if you want, love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore, and it wants to say so it 's obviously a summary clause here romans thirteen ten b love is the fulfilling of the law. That's a big sweeping statement, isn't it? Love is the fulfilling of the law. Paul's been you know, expressing himself now for 13 and a half chapters, and he comes to this place where love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love is the fulfilling of the law. This is a lot like the, uh, the summary of the law that we talk about, that we recite in our liturgy, which comes partly at least from the Shema uh, in which Jesus himself brought out in the Gospels. What are the greatest commandments, Lord? Well, the greatest commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And it's as if Jesus also said, so there you go, people. Go try it. You know, there's your experiment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and with all <laughs> oh, your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. All you need is love. Now you know what you're supposed to do. You ought to do it. I wouldn't tell it to you right if you didn't weren't able to do it, so go out and love. That's all you need. That's all you need. Love God and love others. Again, I hope obviously you're 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 picking this up. This is not good news. It's been one of my things here the last couple of months, um, last year or so. As we say that in our service, it's in the early part of the service of Holy Communion, after we say the collect for purity, Almighty God, and to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid. That's not, that's like, sort of, you know, he knows me, and I'm a little bit uncomfortable. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration, where it's drawn in like a breath, um, by the inspiration of thy Holy Spirit, thy holy breath, thy holy pneuma, um, that we may perfectly love thee and worthily magnify that holy name um to well that's an aside i don't want to go there and then we go right from that and now cramner in his wisdom law gospel if you want to follow that then does what he gives a summary of the law not of the gospel what does the law do it diagnoses us it tells us perhaps what we need but it doesn't necessarily promise any sort of fulfillment and so it's not good news when we glibly say, uh, uh, hear what our Lord Jesus Christ said, or when we're told, when we receive the word on our ears, love the Lord your God. That's the first commandment, right? Commandment number one, um, on which all the law and the prophets hang. And the second is like unto it, love your neighbor. When we're sitting there in the pews, we should be massively uncomfortable. Because what this should do is create a rift within us that says, My Lord and my God, I have no peace with you, for I am doing neither. I am, I am, I am so far from you, away from me, for I am a man of unclean lips. Uh, that's Isaiah's utterance in Isaiah 6 when the Lord comes down to him. And he says, apart from me, for I am a sinful man, a man of unclean lips. And then the word is placed on his tongue with a tongue and a burning coal. And he utters the tri-sa- trisagion uh, holy, 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 which is what we then repeat, Cramner pulled into our Holy Communion service. And now, what do we utter after we hear the word of the Lord? Um, love the Lord your God and love another. We think, like Isaiah, save me, Lord. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Because I cannot do it. So all that's in there. All you need is love. The Beatles got it right. That's what we need. We hear it. Love the Lord your God. Love me before all others. Um, This is the first and great commandment. I am a jealous God, and it is a fearful thing to fall into my hands. Love me and put nothing else before me. You shall have no other gods. I am the King of Kings the Lord of Lords, there I am, the only God, the holy God, the Lord is one. Hear, O gathered people of God, Shema Israel. So it gets all that, and this is all of Paul's background. Remember, we're working backwards to the three weeks, going here from, uh, from 13 into 14, back into 10. We could use more love. The world needs more love. Um, we need more love in our marriages. We need more love with our children. Syria needs our love. Birmingham needs our love Works is what this is talking about good works If you want to do that people come up in a lot of times when you're talking in gospel language is like, but, you know Where do we do something? Where's the activity? What part does it have to do with like feeding the hungry and, and clothing the naked and sheltering the poor and welcoming the, the, uh, the refugee um, That's all right here. Um, All you need is love. We need to love on the horizontal. Um, Love your neighbor as yourself. Put the other's interest, Paul would say in Romans, as much as you are able ahead of your own. Um, Live at peace with one another. So all this, and he says this in Romans 14, 23, if you want to follow along. Thinking about love, um, love being the fulfillment of the law, so you would think then as Christ is the end of the law, where he says that in Romans 10, um, that being both the goal and the finish line, both the end, the telos, the uh, the uh, the thing that we're all hoping for, Christ is the end, once we get there, the law is no more, which is good news, um, but it's also the finish line, the finish line of our faith, it's right in the context of a running metaphor that Paul has. Uh, Uh, So as Christ is that end, um, love is the fulfillment of the law. It would stand to reason that where there is love, there is no sin, 1 John. And so Paul sets that up with that background, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So now we're starting to link faith and love somehow. Um, Whatever does not proceed from faith. So now we're on that horizontal plane, or possibly the response from our first love, that we with which we are loved whatever does not come forth from faith whatever faith is we're starting to beg that question we're starting to follow Paul and say okay so all we need is love love's a really big deal it's not good news because I don't have it it doesn't just come out of me the way that I'm directed to love the only the only love to which I'm addicted is need I have no love to share And I'm supposed to give love to you and give love to neighbor, and I cannot do it. Lord, have mercy away from me, for I am an unclean man. And Paul presses the bruise. Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. A sweeping statement. Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So where are we going in ten minutes? Um, uh, What have we said? We need love. Love's a big deal, um, this is implicitly known. Anywhere in, 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 as a human lives, it's known. However you want to express it, artistically, philosophically, uh, relationally, it's just known. Love is, uh, and it's not natural. As strange as it sounds, we have the need, but the big lie is because we know we ought The lie says, so you should be able to do it, but when you live a little bit, you start to realize, wait a minute, there's a big assumption there. The ought does not imply, uh, the ought does not provide ability. Um, That's a big gap. You can press on me if you want on that, but ought, knowledge of the should, does not imply, does not necessarily say, and so therefore go do it. If it were, why would you be coming here every Sunday morning? Maybe so I could sort of feed the good dog and just sort of tell you all go out and fight the bad dog And so here's my inspirational message to you and just go out and get enough sort of good good chips in you To fill up your tank and go out now and love love God and love neighbors and then come back next week And you'll be about one-eighth full and we're going to sort of fill it back up and that's not the way it works How do we get this love then where does this love come from how do we generate love? So, Galatians 5 6, got to borrow somewhere else in Paul. Like he says, for in Christ Jesus, as he's saying in his argument about circumcision and uncircumcision, where the works um, best seen in the, uh, the mark, the physical mark on the, the, the men of God, circumcision, the circumc- circumcised flesh. Uh, a way of, like in Dr. Seuss' language, he's got a star upon the heart. <laughs> Y'all remember that one? The, what is it? The Zax? Um, is that right? Which one is that? The, what's it called? The snark. See, I knew it. The star bellied snitches. You can go look at it. Circumcision. Dr. Seuss gets it. Um, We just want to have, you know, stars on our snitches. And then when you get them, I want to take them off. So I'm different from you. And it's just the mark. It's the mark of being different. For in Christ Jesus, the mark, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. So Paul's saying, what counts? What matters? Faith working through, faith proceeding from, faith expressing itself in love. Uh, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, on these two laws, on these two words, hang all the law and the prophets. And now we're hearing that, okay, so how does something proceed from me, which might look like love? And Paul is starting to give that a word, and that word is faith. How do we get love? Paul is starting to make us stir up. Oh, so all we need is love. The Beatles know it. We want to increase the love vibe. I think that was what the Beach Boys once said. Um, How do we do it? Now I'm starting to see the Beatles had the right question. They just told you the wrong thing. What they should have been saying is like George Michael, you see, we could stay in pop music from the 80s the whole time, is you gotta have faith. You gotta have faith, faith, faith. You know, that's all you need. That's the way to generate love. It's not quite that easy, but it's are getting close. So what does it mean to have faith? What does this look like? Um, it's not rational. Ashley Knowles' great description of what the heart loves, the will chooses, and the mind justifies is a very helpful way to think about it. The latter. What the heart loves, the will, wherever that is, chooses, and the mind justifies. So the mind is captive to the will, which in itself is in bondage to the heart. So Frozen, Jeremiah, everybody that talks about the heart, you know, you've got to think cardiologically. Um, So when I say honor your father and mother, what is that, the fifth commandment, I think, um... That's the one that has a promise attached to it. For then it will go well with you. Is that motivation for change? Is that motivation for love? Paul would say, nine, no, absolutely not. Why? Because that's a reason. Honor your father and mother. Is that a bad thing? Clearly not. It's very good. Why? Because the reason would say, because then life will go well. Book of Proverbs, common wisdom that doesn't change the heart that doesn't thaw the frozen heart, that doesn't crack the heart of stone and replace it with the heart of flesh. That's a reason, it's not a change agent. So how do we move past where the law says do this and it remains undone because we have a problem being human beings. So again, this is Romans, this is Romans big picture, not new to Adventers, but it's the old word which every morning we need to hear. Every single morning, we have this heart problem, and it needs to be tended to 100% of the time. So, turn to Romans 10, because now we're going to get to a place where we can spend a little bit of time, and I'm going to hit pause, and, uh, and we'll just pick it up next week. Um, so we just said, what? We need love. We don't have it. Possibly, as faith expresses itself as love, then maybe what we need to have is faith. How do we get faith and what is faith and so here's the thesis um, and I'm borrowing this but here's the thesis like it says there uh, you can see the play in the title um, love let me make sure I'm getting my own words right um, love working itself out faith working itself out through love that's what Galatians said I called it belovedness working itself out through love how do we get faith um, this place of being loved by God In a righteousness apart from the law. Because remember, the law, which is holy, right, and good, and it's telling us exactly the right thing. It's saying, honor your father and your mother. That's a good thing. Love the Lord your God and love other people. Live at peace with one another. Put another's interest above yourself. All of these things are good, and they don't happen. That's a problem. How is this going to be solved? something apart from itself, apart from the law, apart from the word which says, do this and you shall live, has to be given. It's got to come as a gift. That's going to be the tie if we make it to Romans 5 this week and maybe next week. It's got to come to us from another place. Faith, then, is the experience, the reality of belovedness. Faith is being loved. We give that a noun, belovedness. Being loved by another person. A child's being loved uh, by their parents. A husband being loved by a wife. A wife being loved by a husband. A creature being loved by a creator. More than that, not because it's a social contract like Santa Claus, the great gift giver of the world, who gives really according to merit and worthiness. What is Santa doing? He's keeping a list. He's checking it twice. And why is he doing it? because he wants to find out who's naughty or nice, who's a worthy recipient of a gift, of a love. That's wrong. That's natural. That's what everybody up to Paul thought. And then all this is John Barclay. Isn't that right, Osvaldo? Um, uh, that, That it's different. It's all new. There is no social contract. It actually comes in a whole different way. And this has a unique power of love, you know, kiwi thank you um, uh, I'm telling you, we really could do this completely from the 80s I mean it asked the right questions um, or it's saying the right right words um, faith is the experience or the reality of being loved not out of my worthiness not because I took one good step out of a hundred and God counted that one for me no because exactly as I go the opposite side, like a star-bellied snitch, uh, he loves me while I'm yet doing that. In my obstin- obstinacy, my, uh, my selfishness, my greed, my anger, my blindness. When I am dead, he loves me in life. So he's, so f- making, love so he's making love ex nihilo, out of nothing at all. Amen. Good job. That's right. I love that. So um, what do we call this? We call this suffering. That's an interesting way to put it, isn't it? To suffer another is to receive from the other whatever they're giving. And this is why Jesus said, suffer the little children to come to me. Passively, passio, that's the word. So we get the word passion of our Lord Jesus Christ, passio, to suffer the suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a tie here that can be really helpful where in what the Reformation called the vita passiva, vita, V-I-T-A, life, passiva, which could be passive. It's better expressed as the receptive life. And that's gonna be our tie here to Romans 10. The receptive life, the passive life, receives or suffers the living word of God The living love of God, which creates love out of nothing at all, which creates love out of a dead man, which creates love from a dead woman, which creates on a dead ear a living and active faith, which expresses itself in love. And so before we read Romans 10, which we'll really kind of do as a doxology, that's why. If we all agree that the world would be a better place if it just had a little bit more love, if we could all get by with just a little bit of love from our friends, a little bit of help from our friends, um, that's exactly right. That's why Luther, Calvin, all of the Reformation, Cramner, uh, and others upon whose shoulders that we here stand every week say, yes, that's the right diagnosis. But the provision... Is the gospel the preaching of the word which creates rather than finds something uh, new not old because we looked in the Beatles got it right I'm looking in and I can find nothing that's going to give me the ability to love another person Uh, the gospel is the only thing that does that Um, and that's why we can say yes the world needs a little bit more love but we don't get a little bit more love by telling people that you need to love more. We tell them that you are loved right where you are in all your brokenness, in all of your psychogenetic crap. You're just, that's where God comes. There is no worthiness. There's no social utility to it. God is not Santa Claus. And how do we know this? Let's just look at the latter in Romans 10. I'll use this as a doxology and then a couple of minutes for questions and then we'll pick this up next week. Um, So Romans 10, let's say verses... uh, Verse 8. What does it say? The word of God. The word is near you. The word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart. So how did it get there? It was placed in you, that the word has been put in your mouth and the word has been put in your heart. For now, this righteousness, this word of justifying righteousness, of salvation righteousness, this word apart from the law has been put in you and we suffer it. We receive it, the wita passiva, and this word is very near you. Uh, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth, because it's already in you, you just open and it goes. If you confess with your mouth uh, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes, remember we've got to think cardiologically, there's no mind, there's no will here. The deepest part, you've got to go to the heart, for where the, with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the Scripture says, "Everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame." For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing His riches on all who call on Him. For every excuse me, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We'll talk something about calling next week. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. How welcome is the word of something new that is good from the outside. And here's how we get the faith. But they have not obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed? What he has heard from us so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of christ so we got to have faith it's not it's not a mechanism because it's going to present all sorts of questions and, and problems which we'll talk about in the next couple of weeks but we need love the world needs more love how do we get love we don't get love by telling people to love we don't get love by telling ourselves by resolving that's a resolution resolution by resolving the problem of being human just to say like you know, today's a new day, I'm going to start again, and I'm just going to try my hardest again. That's not going to work. The resolution is going to be the same old solution, which has never, ever worked. This word which has been placed in our mouth and in our heart, that's the hope that we have. And the faith comes by hearing the gospel, the word of Christ, which we proclaim as a preacher, uh, as we preach to one another, Um, that there is good news outside of us faith belovedness uh, comes by hearing the Word of God the ear is the organ that receives Um, I think I'll stop there hit pause maybe time for a comment or reflection or a question or two thoughts y'all suffered (laughs) y'all suffered a lot here I threw a lot at you in a very short amount of time so thoughts or questions Yeah, absolutely, um, absolutely, and not really. That's just my thesis. Absolutely, we devalue the word because it's so, uh, so ubiquitous. I love ice cream, you know. Love spending time with you. I love the Lord, my God. Um, I love you. <laughs> um, those are all so different things. Um, so yes, we devalue it. We we need that, as Paul's all likes to say with Thornton Wilder. We need. Um, Oh, what's his word? Ron, you know this. New creative words. New persuasive words. Um, we need something else which begins to describe this, which I tried to play on faith as belovedness, trying to find a new persuasive word. So the experience of being loved is faith. Okay, well, I didn't do anything for that. That's not the work that I accomplished. I suffer by somebody else's love. Um, so that's that. Yes, devalued. I, I don't think it was valued there either. Um, reference this book that I have not read but which is kind of making a scene, a splash um, by a scholar named John Barclay that he said the same he's saying some similar things a lot of this is based on my second hand reading of him that, that they didn't know what it meant then either they didn't know what gift was or grace was in the same way that Paul was <laughs> using it and so love, it's not the human heart comes out knowing that it needs it and then it messes it up it doesn't really know what it is, how to give it, how to receive it. Um, something new from the out has to come in. Uh, and so this problem has been around a long time. This is not a 20th, 21st century phenomenon. This isn't, we don't peg this on the Enlightenment. We can do a lot with that. But this is not modernism's problem. This is the human heart. We don't know what love is. Foreigner got it right. Um, but I want to know. I need to know. I am dying to know. I am dead to know what love is. Um, I think that's what Paul would say with that. Yeah? Did John say that God did? He did. Um, all of 1 John, you need, that's in 1 John. Um, I think it's the only way to really read 1 John to come through with all this. No one has ever seen God. Um, uh, he says that in his gospel, he echoes that in his epistle. Um, uh, we love because he first loved us. God is love. Um, all that comes from John. The only way we begin to make sense of that is when we make sense of which we didn't get to Romans 5 so how does God express love how do we know love while we are yet sinning God demonstrates. he shows not tells shows um, we suffer that's a better word we suffer the love of God uh, by Christ Jesus and him crucified Christ died for your sins um, that is a reality which assaults us. The cross does itself to us, is the way Luther would describe that. That's the only way to make sense of 1 of, uh, of John. Um, otherwise, Lame is, is right, that to love another person is to see the face of God. That's true, but again, the problem is I don't love other people. But if I'm loved first, to be loved by another person is to see the face of God. I could write that lyric. Um, which is how I like to hear my favorite musical because it gets it all right until then. I'm like, ah, wait, to be loved by another person is to see the face of God, to suffer belovedness. I should go, otherwise people are going to call me Philip Jensen, and I don't want to get confused. (laughs) Lord, um, open yourselves to us um, and uh, awaken our dead ears. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.